Hey guys, my name is Ryan. I hope you've enjoyed over the past, uh, you know, five or six weeks that we've been just showing stories. And the reason why we're doing that is because it's not just about a song we sing or a sermon I preach, but it's about the sermons you guys preach, the sermons that you guys share as you share your story of how you came to know Jesus. So I've appreciated everybody that shared their story, their baptism stories, and we'll continue to do that for the next few weeks. Um, as last uh, as we as we spoke last week, uh, we spoke about this question: Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And um, and, and as I was at the seven o'clock service, and and we were having some people up at the altar praying, uh, I was praying over one of the students, and I just kind of felt like the Holy Spirit put on my heart that that we needed to spend another week, kind of further looking at this idea of do you want to get well? Do you want to actually change? Do you want to be healed? And um, and so uh, we listened. And so this week, um, we're going to continue talking about something that I kind of mentioned last week, but I want to get a little deeper into it. And then we're going to have um, someone come up and share their story of, uh, of change and healing and, and kind of how God has changed their life over the past uh, five, six years. And so, um, so we're going to get to that in a second. But first, let me, uh, let me start by reading what we read last week. John chapter 5, verses one through nine, and it'll be up on the screens if you want to read along. It's just what we read out of last week, and I kind of want to set it up by, by reading it again. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, which was in the wall of Jerusalem, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, or like porches, decks. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid or had been crippled, um, could not walk, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him the question I just brought up, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Sir, the man said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. They, They had this belief that if you got in first after the water got stirred up or after new fresh water was put in, that you might be healed. He says, I have no one to help me. And when I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. As Jesus asked this question, as he says, do you want to get well? Essentially, he's putting healing in this man's hands. He's saying, well, well, yeah, it's my power. It's God's power that heals us. But, but ultimately, I'm asking you this question, Jesus is saying. I'm asking you, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? The choice was in the hands of the man that was lying down on the mat. The change, the possibility of change was in his hands. Jesus is essentially saying, if you're ready, I'm ready. This is, we may hear this and we may think, well, that's, that's strange. But, but think about it this way. It's no different than when you give your life over to Jesus. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, died on a cross. The work has been done. He died for the sins of all of humanity. He died for the sins of each one of us in this room, each one of us living on this world today, everybody that's lived before and will live in the future. He died for all this. Like, the work has been done, right? But, but, we remain lost. We remain wondering in our own lives until we actually decide, hey, I want to follow after Jesus. I want to accept or receive that gift he's given me. And so the the question is is really no different than it is for our salvation. Jesus is saying, hey, I've reached out to you and I have this healing for you. Are you ready to receive it? Many of you in this room, 
um, over the past few years have, have said, yes, I'm ready to receive that gift. He's asked, do you want to be made well? And you've said, yes, you've raised your hand, you've prayed a prayer, you've, you've decided to follow after him in obedience, and he has come into your life and changed your life. And this was kind of the bottom line that we talked about last week. God won't change you until you want to be changed. God won't change you until you're ready to be changed, until you're willing to be changed, until you come to him and say, hey, God, I want you to enter into my life, and I want you to lead me where you want me to go. And, and, and I don't want to get into one healing and say, like, it's always like this, because it's not. Jesus healed a lot of ways. Sometimes he was, he was there. Sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he used his, his word. Sometimes he touched. So sometimes it was based on the person's faith. Sometimes it wasn't. There were a lot of different ways he healed. But this wasn't the only time where he essentially asked this question of, do you want to get well? One time he was walking into a city and this blind guy was yelling out to him, hey, 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 Jesus, have mercy on me. And he goes up to the man, the blind man. Everybody knew he was blind. He was begging on the side of the road. Everybody in the town knew he was blind. Everybody knew really what he wanted. And yet Jesus comes up to him and he says, what do you want? And, and of course, we hear that and we're like, we all, we all know what he wants. He wants to be able to see. But Jesus had a, had a very intentional reason. He wanted the man to say it. He wanted the man to acknowledge, hey, I am lacking and I need healing. I need help. And so he asks a question that's very similar to, do you want to get well? He says, what do you want me to do? And the man says, well, I want to receive my sight. And then Jesus heals him. See, God won't change you until you're ready to be changed. But, but, but something I want to kind of focus on and turn to this week is this idea that God's healing can be immediate, but often it's a process. God's healing can be immediate, but often it's a process. I want to turn over to Luke, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. I want to look at another healing of Jesus and show how, how many times it, it, it's, it's a process. Sometimes it can be immediate. Sometimes the, the process is really short, and it seems immediate, but, but there's always a process. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, so he's not in the village yet, as he was going into it, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now, leprosy, if you've, if you've never heard it described to you before, is uh, a name for many different uh, skin diseases that people had at this time. But generally, leprosy was a disease that would kill you in the end. It would, it would uh, leave sores all over your body, rashes all over your body. It would, it would eventually take away your ability to feel, so like your nerve endings didn't work. And so many times these people walked around without fingers or, or parts of their body because they couldn't feel the burn. They couldn't feel something cutting into them. They couldn't feel that their skin being torn. And so like they didn't even know. And so they had this pain all the time and it was, it was very contagious and nobody wanted to get near them because they had no cure. And if you got the disease, your life was basically over. You couldn't be living in the town. You couldn't be married. You couldn't have your kids. You couldn't work a job. You couldn't do anything. And so what they would do is the only thing that they could do, they would separate these people outside of the city. They didn't even allow them to live around other people. They had to live in these things that they call leper colonies. So it would be like this little like, um, kind of area of shacks or tents outside of the city where they would live together because they already all had the infection, and they couldn't get any worse. So they could be together, but they couldn't be near anywhere, anyone else. And they had all these rules for the, for the lepers. 
They had rules like you had to wear certain clothes so that everyone would know you're a leper and they wouldn't come near you. You had to stay a certain distance away from people. You couldn't even approach them. You'd have to yell at a distance, and we're about to see them do just that. So Jesus is on his way into the town. He's walking past this leper colony. And it says these 10 men met him, but they didn't really come up to him. It says they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice. Again, they weren't allowed to come near Jesus or anyone else. And so they're from far away. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, over here, Jesus, Jesus, listen to us. And they said this, Master, have pity on us. In other words, have mercy on us. Do something for us. It says, when Jesus saw him, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest, which we hear, and we, we don't really think much of it. But here's when someone would show themselves to a priest. They would show themselves to a priest when they had been healed. Once they had gotten better, they would go to the priest. And here's why they went to the priest. They would, they would have the priest basically reinstate them into society. The priest would look at them and say, all right, well, um, I see uh, th- that you've been healed. I, I acknowledge it. I'm going to kind of give you the stamp of approval. You can, you can come back into society. You can come back into your family. You can come back to the temple. Like you can return to normal life. So once you were healed, you would go to the priests. But Jesus is telling them to go show themselves to the priests while they still have leprosy. That's a problem because they're not allowed to go to the priests. They're not allowed to get near the temple. They're not allowed to get near the city. They're not allowed to get near a priest. And so they hear this this command of Jesus, and they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We said that we wanted to be healed, but now you're sending us like we've already been healed. See, Jesus had a process for these men. And like many times, his process didn't make sense to them. They had, this, they had this command, hey, go show yourselves to the priest. And they're, and they're thinking in their mind, well, we can't go to the priest. Well, we haven't even been, we asked him to have pity on us, and he's just sending us away. Like, what's going on? The process didn't make sense. Often, the process doesn't make sense. Or, or maybe the process isn't very appealing to us. And, and again, we don't like processes, do we? We, we want the magic trick. We want God to be Amazon Prime God and just give us what we want right when we want it. We don't want a process. So many times we go to God and we say, like, God, God, uh, help, help me in this relationship. Help me uh, uh, heal this relationship with a friend. And God says, okay, here's the process I have for you. I, I'm going to give you healing, but here's the process I have for you. I want you to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. And we say, well, well God, but but I just want you to fix it. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to. If you follow my process, if you go through the process, then I will meet you along the way. I, I will heal you along the way. But, but many times we don't like the process. And we're like, ah, but, but, but I don't want to go to the person. That's awkward. Just make it better. And he's like, all right, go to the person. Or may, maybe you're like, man, I'm just, man, I'm just like addicted to, to some substance, I'm addicted to marijuana, I'm addicted to drinking, whatever it is, and you're like, God, I wish you would just take away this desire. I wish I wouldn't even want it. And he's like, okay, I'll do that for you. But let me send you on a process. Let me send you on a journey. Go and do this. And we're like, ah, God, I don't want, go, okay, okay, stop hanging out with potheads. Stop buying drugs. These are a few common steps that maybe you might want to follow if you don't want to smoke anymore. And you're like, oh, but God, like, I still want to hang out with him. And he's like, well, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? Then follow the process. Go through the process. And we see these men go through a process 
here. He says, go show yourselves to the priest, which again, does not make sense. They don't like it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to them. It is a weird command for them. But it says, as they went. Everybody say, as they went. It says, as they went. Those are three very, very important words. As they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. They were made well. So Jesus gave them a process, and they followed the process, and they received healing. Here's another thing you can write down if you're taking notes. Many times, we won't be made well until we are obedient. We don't like that word obedient. When we hear the word obedient, we think of dogs. We think of teachers and students. We think of parents and kids. We don't like the word obedient. We don't want to be obedient to anybody. It's not a word that the humans really uh, latch onto very well. But many times, we won't be made well until we are obedient. Many times, the process is us being obedient. This is very important because there are some of you who maybe last week were here and you're like, man, I'm ready to be made well. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to do something new. Maybe Jesus said, okay, I'm gonna send you on a process. Maybe throughout the week, you started feeling like God was telling you to do some things. You're like, no, 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 I don't wanna do that. I just want you to make it better. And he's like, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make things right, but you've gotta follow a process. You've gotta be obedient You've got to follow me, and as you follow me, I'm going to unleash my power. See, sometimes his supernatural power comes into our very natural obedience. You know, like like we just do something very simple. We do three simple steps that he calls us to, and then his supernatural power covers all of it and turns us into new people and changes situations and changes our hearts, but he's calling us to go through a process. He's calling us to be obedient And obedience is hard because it's hard to do things we don't want to do, isn't it? It's hard for us to do things we don't want to do. To be told to do something, we're like, ah, gosh, I don't want that. It's difficult. But this is where trust comes in, isn't it? Like if we trust that God's power is going to make us better, we've got to be willing to go through the process, through the obedience. We've got to be willing to do the things he calls us to do. Because often, sometimes it's immediate, but often it's a process. Here's, here's kind of the key that I, that I, I kind of want to focus on as it pertains to last week. Last week we talked about, hey, you, God will change you when you're ready to be changed. Well, if we're ready to be changed, this next thing will apply to us. When the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing, we are ready to be made well. I want to I explain this and kind of break this down real quick. When the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing... We are ready to be made well. Maybe some of you were like, I'm ready to be made well last week. And then you started feeling like there were some things you needed to do. And you're like, no, nah, I don't want to. That, that, that's too awkward. That's too difficult. That's too hard. I don't want to do all of that. Well, then you're not ready for change. You're not ready to be made well. You're not ready to be healed. You're not ready for God to change your situation or to change your heart. Because you're still trying to do it your way. We've got to get to the point where where we are is so uncomfortable So difficult that we are willing to go through anything to get out of it. I'm going to say that again. We've got to get to the point where where we are, whatever our situation is, it could be a relationship, an addiction, a, 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 a temptation, a sin, whatever it is. We have to get to the point where that is so uncomfortable for us 
that we're like, I cannot stay here any longer. And I know that going over there is going to be difficult. And I'm going to have to say some things. I'm going to have to do some things. I'm going to have to stop doing some other things. And I don't like it. But I am so willing to get out of this situation that I'm willing to go through that to get to the other side. Until we're ready to go through that process, then we're really not ready to be made well. We're really not ready to be changed. I'll give you one kind of worldly example and one uh, kind of sin example, and they're both from last week. If you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to lose 10, 15 pounds. I'm ready to get a little bit uh, kind of cut up for, uh, for, for bathing suit season, whatever, and you say, I'm uncomfortable where I am. I'm uncomfortable in my weight. I'm uncomfortable when I take my shirt off. I'm uncomfortable looking at myself in the mirror. Okay, if I want to get over there, I'm going to have to go through some things, some things that I don't necessarily like. Nobody really like. I mean, most people don't really like to work out. If it was easy, everybody would look like The Rock, but we don't because it's not easy because eating a certain way and, and, and working out a certain way is difficult. But until you're so uncomfortable where you are that you're willing to go through that difficult process, you're really not ready for change, are you? And maybe the first time you're like, ah, I'm, I'm not going to go through it. I'm just going to stay where I am. And then a year later, and then a year later, and eventually maybe you get to that point where you're like, gosh, I don't like where I am, and I'm so tired of it that I'm willing to go through the pain of change, the pain of the process in order to get to the other side. Let, let me give you um, a, a, a sin example, and we talked about this last week. Again, m- many people in this room are addicted to pornography or have an addiction or, or some kind of issue with pornography, and you're sitting here, and you're like, I don't really like it. I don't like what I look at. I don't like that I want to look at it. I don't like the way I feel after I look at it. Like, it, it, it is something that is uncomfortable for me. But then you ask God to heal you. Maybe he says, hey, I need you to do this, this, and this in the process to getting better. And you're like, ooh, but those are going to hurt. That's uncomfortable. Well, that's the pain of change. That's the pain of the process. God's saying, are you willing to go through a little bit of pain to get to the other side? And you say, no, 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 no. I'm just going to stay here. But eventually, this area where you are has to get so uncomfortable that you're like, man, I I cannot stay here any longer. I've got to get out of this, and I don't care what it takes. And God says, hey, I need you to to just go tell your parents. And you're like, oh, I'll never do that. But but, but this is too uncomfortable. Okay, I'll tell my parents. Okay, you're going to turn in your computer and your phone every night at 9 o'clock to your parents because you can't take it into your room because you can't handle the temptation. No, I'll never do that. That's too much. But then you look back, and you're like, I don't want to go back there. Okay, I'll do it. You got to get accountability. You got to tell some people. You got to give your phone to someone and tell them to put a password on it that you don't know. You've got to tell somebody to, to, to give you some help. You've got to pray. You've got to turn to God. And these things are difficult. We don't want to do them. We don't want to admit that we are wrong or that we've messed up. But then we look back and we're like, well, I don't want to go back there. I'm tired. I know what's there. And until the pain of that place where we are gets so bad that we're willing to go through whatever to get out of it, we're not actually willing to change. And, and as we were talking about kind of just kind of focusing on that process, um, one of the people on our team had an idea of, of, of having an interview uh, with somebody. And, and something that, before I bring them up here, uh, I just want to tell you how the Holy Spirit works. Something that was really cool is as I was praying last week at 7 o'clock, I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, like, I think God wants us to do this but, um, and spend another week here. And I was talking to the team, and they were like, well, is it going to be the exact same thing? I was like, well, it's going to be similar, but there's going to be some, some new parts. And they were like, well, why don't you interview somebody? And, and they brought up a name, and, and I called the guy. And, uh, and I call him, and I'm like, hey, uh, I think God's calling us to, to do this thing, and I want to interview you. Could, you. could you be available next Sunday? And he's like, 
yeah, I could probably do that. Let me check my calendar, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you what you would be talking about before, before you agree to it. And I said, last week or, or last night, because um, this was Monday, I said, last night we talked about John 5. And I said, um, we asked this question, do you want to get well? And he says, shut up. And I'm like, what I say? And, and then he says, literally all day I've had that, that, that question on my mind. I've had that question on my heart. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, this is where God's leading us. This is where the Holy Spirit's leading us. This is where he's guiding us. He, he's guiding us to hear this story. So we're going to bring up Pastor Josh. Pastor Josh is our pastor of connections at Beach Church. And so anything that happens on a Sunday morning with, uh, with connections teams and the connect and people welcoming and greeting, anything that happens with adult life groups, anything that happens with adults getting connected to the life of the church, baptisms, all that kind of stuff, um, falls under Pastor Josh. And Pastor Josh um, kind of went through a process over the past six or seven years. And uh, instead of just preaching and giving examples, I wanted him to share um, some of the things that have happened to him over the past few years that, that have really changed him and how God has worked through a process, not an instantaneous thing, not an immediate thing, but a process to bring healing to his life. So um, thank you for being here. My a pleasure. All right. The first question is this. What was your life like immediately before giving your life to Christ? What were you struggling with? Um, so... Hey, everybody. Just FYI, I have a stutter, so if I get a little blocked up, just uh, bear with me. Uh, it usually means I, I believe it's important of what I'm about to say. Um, really and truly, my life was just a broke and mess. Um, I'll give you the, the uh, cliff notes real fast. I was um, the product of a broken family. My mother divorced my dad when I was nine months old because he was an alcoholic. Holic. Um, I stuttered all through school, so I had a lot of insecurities and low s- 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 self-worth. Um, I started drinking to self-medicate because I was really depressed uh, as a student, um, because I was mocked and made, and made, and made fun of um, by, let's see, man, by age 15, I was sexually active by age 16 I was smoking pot and doing drugs um, by 18 in, in college I did a worse of drugs uh, I became a house music DJ a bouncer I was a jujitsu fighter so extrapolate what that lifestyle was like um, I had no idea what it meant to be a man and really just completely lost in, in, the, uh, in uh, the world. So I was, str- oh, and I was addicted to, to pornography. Um, I was just a mess. I was just an absolute mess. All right, so tell us how you came to Jesus in 2007, and tell us about that day. Yeah, so uh, January 20th, I was DJing at the club. I was out drinking with my f- 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 friends until, like, four in the morning, January 21st, 2007, that next uh, morning, uh, at 9 a.m., actually, uh, I remember that, God woke me up out of bed, and he said, literally, wake up, you're going to church, and I remember, like, like, I thought someone had broken into my place, and I, I could still hear it echoing 
And I went to go check the lock, and there was no one in the place. The door was locked, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to church. And I had been invited to this a place that I had never been yet, but I kind of knew where it was. And I found myself in a right of mind. Probably shouldn't have been in a right of mind as a, after what I've been doing that last night. Um, and I walked into this amazing place. It was actually a lot like beach. Um, and I had the, as I walked in, there was just like, I just, God's presence was just over me. And I had this overwhelming sense of I've, I've, I've come home. And um, really, uh, my life's and, and, and never been the same since. Um, but it was, it was like, the word of God was being preached in a relevant way, like like y- 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 y'all get with Pastor Ryan each week, and it was a thriving community where people were really trying to live it out and love Jesus and love people, and um, it wasn't very long before I was like, oh crap, quite frankly. This is real. Jesus is real. I can no longer live the way that I'm living. And really, that was the way it got started. So tell us what the process was like. What, what were some practical things you did to change and be obedient to what Jesus was calling you to do? So, um, yeah, just a few real practical things. Like, once I had that revelation, like, Jesus is real, um, I... You know, we're, we're, we're talking about the pain of change. Well, I just started to have to make some tough decisions. I remember early on, our pastor said, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Just keep walking through the door. You mentioned uh, the metaphor of training at the gym. And he used the same one. He's like, if you just show up at the gym and walk through the door, most likely, you're probably going to work out. So don't even worry about the workout. Just get, yourself, get your body in the right place. And so I would even say that, y'all, just keep getting your body in the right place. Get your butts in the seats. And just by showing up, you'll be under the word. You'll be in a community. And the rest will kind of take care of itself. Um, I got in a life group. Uh, I don't know if you're a new or what. If you've not gotten in a life group, just say, get in a life group. Get around some other followers of Jesus who are trying to figure it all out, trying to live this thing out. And then the last thing, very practically, I read my Bible. But here's the thing, and I wish I would have said it at the, at the, um, at the last service. I started applying God's word. Um, I would read the word, and then I would hear something or see something. I'm like, ah, crap. I got to do that now. And so um, that that led to other tough decisions and other, quite frankly, painful changes because it was when I applied the word that everything changed. Um, Proverbs 13, 20, it says, He who walks with the wise grows a wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And I realized, crud, I'm still 
hanging out with a lot of the people that are going to the clubs, and they're kind of dragging me along to the clubs. I'm still tempted to smoke pot or drink when I'm around these people, but when I'm around Jesus folk, like, I'm encouraged. I don't desire those, those things as much. And so I just had to make some really practical decisions. And it wasn't a judgment thing. It's not that I didn't love these folks. I actually did love them very much, and I wanted to share God's love with them. But they didn't, they didn't want to change the, their lives because they hadn't met Jesus yet. And so it was tough, and I don't hang out with a lot of those people today. And their lives have gone on a different path. Um, and... But I grew wise. And so I would say that, you know, there's some of y'all, y'all are suffering harm because you're around, around foolish people. And that may be kind of a, it's not a judgment thing, it's just a reality. And so the other thing was I had to break it off with some very nicer girls. Um, I was trying to live all in for Jesus, and they weren't. And it wasn't a judgment thing. That's just where they were at. And the scriptures said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And again, it wasn't a judgment thing. I just saw what the word of God said and I applied it. And so when I did that, each time I made a decision of applying God's word, my life in God would advance. Um, And then the last thing there was a book I read um, uh, called Greater by, by Pastor Stephen Hurdick. And he used the scripture of Elisha when he gets called by Elijah. And, um, you know, Elisha was a, was a farmer and he would work a plow, right? So literally he had an ox and he, and he worked a, a plow down the lanes of the farm. But when Eli, Elijah called Elisha into the ministry, he literally burned his plows. He literally got rid of his way of life. There was no going back because it just wasn't there anymore. And I still had all of my DJ stuff. I still had all of my memories in little boxes of all my, like, all my days of all the parties and all the, and all the DJ events and all this. And I read that, and, and in the book it says, burn your plows. I don't know what that is. I had a bunch of, like, worldly music and this and that. And I'm not saying, like, oh, worldly music is uh, the devil. But for me, it was so attached to my life in the world that I had to just, literally, I burned it. I, got, I went and I, I lit up a bonfire, and I burned it all down. And then I sold all my DJ ick equipment. And that was really difficult. Like that that was tough, but I knew the pain of change. I knew I had to take that that pain or I couldn't have more of Jesus and more of what God had for me. And so that sacrifice it was an easy one to make looking back and just uh, as an aside, God's very is is so kind. Now that I've I gave that up, I still get opportunity to DJ, but oftentimes it's like our ministry gigs and stuff like this. And so God's so gracious that when you obey, when you do the painful decisions to change and to follow Jesus, 
he'll often find a way, you know, to bring those things back into your life. And so. Yeah, and I think that something important for all of you to hear is just the timeline. Josh had a, a night or a morning where he heard from God. He went to church. He felt God's presence. The change began, but that was the beginning of the process. And over the next few years, he had to be obedient and continue in the process. And I think some of us, again, sometimes we're like, well, I prayed it, and it's been a week, and God hasn't done it yet. And, and something important for you guys to know is like, uh, Josh felt that call to go to church in 2007, and he went to ministry school in Australia in 2015 or 14? 14. 14. So that was a seven-year period, uh, a process. And, uh, and he shared the last service, like he wishes that he could say he stopped doing all that stuff overnight, but he didn't. There was a process of God pulling those things out of his life one by one. And I, just this last little thing, and I said this at the last service, um, you need to, there's y'all in here where you're kind of like this. You've experienced a, a Jesus, and he's changed your heart, but you're still kind of one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. That's because God has captured your heart but your mind is still believing the things that this world tells you. And so a lot of it is the process of you renewing your mind and understanding God's ways. Yeah. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the band go ahead and come back up. And I'm going to have Pastor Josh pray for all of us and, and uh, the processes that God is putting us through. Um, so bow your heads, close your eyes, and, and Pastor Josh is going to pray for us. Dear Father, um, we come before you. We are grateful that Jesus makes us right with you. And because of Jesus, every person under the sound of my voice, um, it can be made new. We can be changed. We can be set free from whatever addiction whatever thing that holds us back, whatever lies the enemy is speaking. Father, where there is insecurity, I speak security and confidence and worth. Wherever there is discouragement and depression, I speak hope and life and joy, Father. Father, wherever people are alone or lonely, or feel like um, they don't matter or they don't belong. Father, I pray by your word they would know that they are ex ex accepted, that they belong, that they've got value. L Lord Jesus, send your Holy Spirit upon every young man and young woman. Fill them afresh. Give them a vision for who you have called them to be, the destiny that you have in store. And Jesus, as they see more and more of who you are, Lord Jesus, I pray that the things of this world, they would just fall away because who you are has so much more value than 
sex or drugs or whatever their friends say or any temptation this world will, will throw at them. So Jesus, we declare your kingdom reigns. You rule. Father God, make yourself known just a little bit more to these people tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.